Let me see your Bible, please. Be, be proud of it. Just raise it up. Very good, very good. I want you to take that Bible and hold it in your hands. It's a big book, right? 66 books in the Bible, 39 in the Old, 27 in the New. There are 1,189 chapters in the Bible. 1,189. Have you ever wondered what this book is all about? The Bible. What's it all about? Well, let me sum it up with one word, okay? Let me sum up this big book with one word. Here's the word. Jesus. This book is about Jesus, and it's from Jesus. Three facts about Jesus in the Bible. From Genesis through Malachi, that's Old Testament. The implication is Jesus Christ is coming. Many prophets of old, people like Isaiah, Jeremiah, Micah, predicted the coming of Jesus Christ. The Son of God, the Savior, is coming. That's Old Testament. Matthew 1 through Acts 1, the implication is Jesus... It's here. Look at it. God became flesh and lived among men. We see His miracles. We hear His sermons. He's here to die on the cross for the, for the sins of the world. And that's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Fact number three. From Acts 1 verse 11 through Revelation 22, 21, the rest of the Bible, the implication is Jesus is coming again. The Son of God, the Savior, will come again. So Old Testament, He's coming. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, He's among us. He's here. And then Acts 1 through Revelation 22, our Lord is coming again. And that third implied fact, Jesus is coming again, is the fact that we're going to camp out with, live with for a few minutes in tonight's study. I want you to take that Bible that you hold in your hands, and I want you to go with me, please, to the book of 2 Peter. It comes at the end of the New Testament, right after 1 Peter. Good place for it, right? 1 Peter, then 2 Peter. And tonight we go to 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3. Now if you've been with us, you know that we've been talking about revival this week. God's recipe for revival, revive us again. A young man that needed revival. Revival in the home, revival in worship. And uh, what I want to do tonight, I want to give you the reason we ought to be people of, of revival. The reason we ought to be revived because Jesus is coming again. 2 Peter chapter 3, let's go to verse 1. Are you with me? Verse 1 of 2 Peter chapter 3. Peter said, this second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you. He had already written number one, the first letter. Now this is the second letter. The second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that ye may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets, and of the commandment of us, the apostles, of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, or mockers, walking after their own lust and saying, what will they say? Where is the promise of His coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of, 
that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished, but the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of perdition of men. But beloved, verse 8, beloved brethren, church, be not ignorant of this uh, one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not, He's not slack. What does that mean? He's not slow concerning His promise. As some men count slackness, but it's long-suffering. God is long-suffering. He's patient with us. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to a change, a surrender, repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, let me ask a question. What manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, we, as God's people, we, Nevertheless, we should look forward to that new heaven and a new earth wherein lives or dwells what's right, righteousness. And that is 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 13. Now, brethren, I want you to go back to verse 10. Everybody focus in on verse 10. Everything that I say tonight somehow will connect, will relate to verse 10 of 2 Peter chapter 3. We ought to be revived. God's people ought to experience revival because Jesus is coming. Notice again what Peter said in verse 10. He said, but the day of the Lord will come. Sometimes we sing about it. Donnie, I maybe should have asked you to lead this song tonight. Uh, there's an old song we used to sing. We often sing it even in churches Christ today. Uh, there's a great day coming. Great song. There's a great day coming. There's a great day coming. You remember the song, right? There's a great day coming by and by. Now, folks, all of us have lived great days, right? I mean, you've lived great days and I've lived great days. You might say, Brother Keith, the greatest day of my life was the day that I stood before the preacher and the preacher said, do you? And I said, I do. And I, and I, and I gave my, my, my heart to my mate. I, I married my, my mate for life. Do you remember your wedding day? That was a great day for some of us, right? You might say, Brother Keith, the greatest day of my life was the day that I was, that I was baptized. Do you remember that day? You gave the preacher your hand and God's your heart and you came up out of the water feeling so clean and white and saved and forgiven. Do you remember how you felt? That was a great day, right? The day that you were baptized. Some time ago, I saw a fellow being interviewed on TV. He had struck it rich overnight, become a millionaire instantly. And somebody said to him, Sir, hey millionaire, was this the greatest day of your life? He said, oh no, oh no. He said, the greatest day of my life was the day that my wife was cured of cancer. Maybe you've been cured of cancer. Maybe you've been to the doctor and the doctor said, hey, got some good news. Your cancer's in remission. And you left thinking, wow. 
I can, I can breathe again. I can smile again. I have my life back. See, all of us have lived great, great days. But let me tell you something, folks. Are you listening? There's a greater day that's coming. You've lived a great day. and I've lived a great day. And all of us have lived some great days. But I'm telling you, folks, there's a greater day that's coming. And the day that we talk about, the day of judgment, the day that Jesus comes from heaven, you mark it down. It will be. I'm telling you, it will be the greatest day of your life. You know why I say that? Think about it. The day that Jesus comes, on that day, everything else will not matter. I mean, it won't matter what we ate for dinner tonight. It won't matter if we went to Cracker Barrel or we ate crackers. And do you realize the day that Jesus comes, the day that we call the day of judgment, it won't matter what you wore to church in 2015. I mean, it won't matter if you wore rags or Ralph Lauren. And the money you had in the bank, folks, that's not going to matter. It's not going to matter if you were a billionaire or you went bankrupt. And I'm telling you, folks, your education, I think education is, is important, but I'm telling you, on the day of judgment when Jesus comes, it's not going to matter if you graduated from high school. Are you graduated from, from Harvard? See, on the day of judgment, the day that Jesus comes, the only thing that's going to matter is, hey, am I saved or lost? Will I go to heaven or will I go to hell? Well, I hear Jesus say, come. Come, you blessed, my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Or will I hear Jesus say, maybe with tears flowing down his cheeks, oh, oh, depart from me, you cursed and everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. I'm telling you, folks, the only thing that's going to matter when Jesus comes, am I saved or lost? Am I going to go to heaven? Or will I end up in hell? So what if Jesus came tonight? I'm just asking. What if Jesus came tonight? Well, as we pursue this lesson, what I want to do, I want to ask three doctrinal questions. Three biblical questions about the coming of Jesus. And then we'll close out by asking three very practical questions, okay? Three biblical questions, three doctrinal questions about the second coming of Christ. And then three very practical questions about the coming of Christ. You ready for question number one? Question number one is this one. It's a very simple question. Who? Who? And by who I simply mean who's coming? We talk about there's a great day coming, somebody's coming. Who's coming? Go back to verse 10. I told you everything that I say tonight somehow will connect to 2 Peter 3 and verse 10. Peter said, but the day of the Lord. Who's coming? The Lord is coming. The day of the Lord will come. Jesus put it like this in John 14. You remember what he said. Let not your heart be troubled. Don't be anxious. Don't be bothered. You believe in God? Believe also in me. Our Lord said in my Father's house in many mansions, if it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. Jesus said, I'm coming again. And you know, Jesus did not lie. He did go to prepare that place. Acts 1, 9 through 11, He ascended into heaven. And then the Apostle Paul said in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, starting in verse 16, For the Lord Himself, who's coming? 
Not a fake. Not an imposter. Not some preacher. For the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a... Yeah, with a shout. I know in churches of Christ, we don't like people shouting and yelling in church, right? I mean, you don't want the preacher standing up here and shouting at you. I'm telling you folks, when Jesus comes, He's coming with a... Yeah, He is, Pete. Shout! He's coming with a shout. The voice of the angel, trump of God, dead in Christ shall rise first, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with whom? With the Lord. You know, I've heard people talk about the degrees of punishment in hell and the degrees of reward in heaven. You ever heard that discussed? Will there be different degrees of punishment in hell, different degrees of reward in heaven? Well, I believe that the Bible teaches that. But let me tell you something, folks. If my degree of reward in heaven is the smallest, the least of all people, the reality of being in the holy presence of Jesus will be enough for me. See, I want to go to heaven to be with God. I want to go to heaven to be with my Father. And it's possible to hug Him and to thank Him for sending His Son, Jesus. And I tell you, folks, I want to go to heaven to be with God, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. And it's possible to hug Him and to thank Him for giving to me the mind of God through the Holy Bible. And I want to go to heaven to be with my brother Jesus. And, and I don't know if it's going to be possible, but it's possible to reach out and to hug Him and to say, Oh, oh Jesus, thank You for, for dying. Thank You for bleeding. Thank You for going to the cross. Thank You, Lord, for being my Savior. And I would say, as Paul said, in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 8, I'd rather be absent from this body. I'd rather be absent from this life to be at home with the Lord. Who's coming? I tell you who's coming. The King of kings and the Lord of lords. For the Lord Himself. That's who's coming. You ready for number two? Doctrinal question number two. When? When is Jesus coming? We talk about the coming of Jesus. There's a great day that's coming. When is Jesus coming? You ever thought about that? Well, again, go back to verse 10. I told you we're just, we're just going to camp out with 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 10. Peter said, but the day of the Lord will come, listen to this part, as a thief in the night. Let me ask you, have you ever met a thief? Anybody? You ever been robbed, broken into, stolen from? When I was a kid preacher, I got out of Freed Harbin in 1979, moved to Missouri, started working for a little church in Missouri. And one night, Sandra and I were out making some visits. And we came back to our house and we found out that somebody had broken into our house. And, uh, you know, we came home and we found uh, some items missing. In fact, the thief had stolen two of our TVs, one in our living room and one in our bedroom. Well, we called the police. The police came. They did their thing. And uh, about a week later, about a week later, guess what I did? I'll give you three guesses. The first two don't count. I went out and I bought a brand new TV. I mean, you can't live without TV. Have you ever tried? We are hooked to the plug-in drug, right? So about a week later, I went out and bought a brand new TV. I was so proud of that TV. Well, about a month later, maybe a couple of months later, again, Sandra and I were away from our house. We were gone. And, and as we were gone, the same guy, the same thief, again, broke into our house and he stole my brand new TV. Well, they caught the guy. They caught him. That's how I know it was the same thief, because they caught him. He admitted it. 
and a fellow by the name of Donnie. And they sent old Donnie off to jail. They sent him off to jail. And there in jail, Donnie, quote, found the Lord. He found religion. And he wrote me, the thief from jail, wrote me a letter to apologize. He really did. And the letter started out by saying something like, uh, uh, Dear Mr. and Mrs. Parker, Hi, how are you? We're not doing much. He said, we're just sitting around watching TV. That guy liked TV, folks. He really enjoyed TV. Now, I really appreciated his letter. I appreciated the, the, the thief, old Donnie, writing me from jail. But let me tell you something about Donnie. He was a thief. You know, before he came to see us that first time, he didn't call us on the phone. He didn't call and say, now, Mr. and Mrs. Parker, you better stay home tonight because I'm coming to see you. He didn't send me a text. Uh, this was the day before texting. He didn't send me an email. This was the day before that. Uh, he came. I tell you how old Donnie came. He came as a thief, unannounced, unexpectedly. You know how Jesus is coming when He comes? I tell you how Jesus is coming, folks. He's coming like Donnie. He's coming as a thief in the night. Truth about it is, nobody knows when Jesus is coming. By the way, I am just curious. How many of you, uh, how many of you believe that Jesus Christ is coming tonight? Now, I'm not asking, you know, is that a possibility? We all understand that's a possibility. Uh, you know, it's 20 to 8. In the next 4 hours and 20 minutes, if you believe that the second coming of Christ is going to take place in 4 hours, the next 4 hours and 20 minutes, may I see your hand, please? Anybody believe that Jesus is coming tonight? The second coming is going to take place tonight? Raise your hand if you do. We all know that's a possibility. But I'm not asking... Is that possible? I'm just asking, do you believe that the second coming is going to take place tonight? Let me see your hand. Anybody? Looking for a hand, folks. Not a single hand. I tell you that ought to get your attention. It ought to wake you up. ought to wake all of us up. Because the only sign of the New Testament, and that was a point in my life that I thought there are no signs of the second coming of Christ, and I believed that until I started reading my Bible. And when I started reading my Bible, I found a sign of the second coming of Christ. And the only sign that I know of of the second coming of Christ is He's coming in an hour that we do not expect. That's what He said in Matthew 24 and verse 44. I'm coming in an hour that you do not think. Now, we're not thinking about it. We're not talking about it. We're really not expecting it. And Jesus said, hey, that's the exact time I'm coming. I'm coming in an hour that you do not expect. What if Jesus came tonight? Wouldn't that be wonderful? Wouldn't it be wonderful if Jesus came tonight? Who's coming? Peter said, but the day of the Lord will come. When is He coming? Peter said, as a thief of the night. We don't know. He could come tonight, this coming weekend. He might come in your lifetime, in my lifetime. I'll tell you what I pray, folks. I do pray that Jesus will come in my lifetime. And let me just start, let me encourage you to start praying that. If I can get enough people all across America to start praying that Jesus will come in our lifetime. Who knows what God may bring to the table? It is the last recorded prayer in the Bible. Revelation 22 and verse 20. You know what John said, the prophet of Patmos? Even so come, Lord Jesus. And that ought to be our attitude. Even so come, Lord Jesus. So let me just plant this seed. Start praying that, that Jesus will come in our lifetime. Who's coming? The Lord is coming. When? We don't know. He might not come for another 5,000 years. 
Here's question number three, doctrinal question number three. What? What? And by what I simply mean, what's it going to be like? When Jesus comes, what's it going to be like? What's going to happen? Well, go back to verse 10. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 10. Peter said, but the day of the Lord will come. As a thief in the night, what's it going to be like? In the which the heavens shall pass away with great noise, the elements shall melt with fervent heat, the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Folks, can you imagine what that day is going to be like? The day that Jesus comes? It's going to be as normal as everyday normal. It's going to be like today. It's going to be like a Wednesday. Maybe 70, 75 degrees outside. A few clouds in the sky. People are going to be at work, at school, at home. They're going to be fishing and hunting. They're going to be at the grocery store, at the park, at the barber shop, at the bank. I mean, the day that Jesus comes, it's just going to be the average, typical, normal, everyday day. But I'm telling you, folks, I'm telling you, the day that Jesus comes is going to be the most abnormal, the most incredible day we've ever seen. Can you imagine what that day is going to be like? Our song leader gets up tonight. Donnie gets up here and sings that last song, Bless be the time. Brother, would you lead us in prayer? And we all pray and we say amen. Church is over. Hey, good to see you. Glad you're, you're here tonight. You know, we start shaking a few hands, hugging a few necks. We start saying our goodbyes to one another. But all of a sudden, all of a sudden, out of the blue, there's an incredible noise. It, it's unlike anything you've ever heard before. A, a tornado a hundred times over. A, a freight train a thousand times over. You know, we're, we're, we're saying our goodbyes. Good to see you. Glad you're here. And all of a sudden, whoo! And you're thinking, man, what is that? Man, I, I don't know, but this building might, might fall. I tell you, I've got to get out of this building. And, and, and in fear, we all start running out one of these doors. And when we get outside, we look up, and the sky is lit. It should be. I mean, it's about 8 o'clock, and it should be dark, but it's not dark. The sky is lit up. And in the midst of the sky, we see creatures. What, 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 what are these? Are these angels? And maybe you think about what Jesus said. Maybe you know enough Bible that you think about what Jesus said in Matthew 25 and verse 31. When the Son of Man shall come in His glory and all the holy angels with Him. And we're all just standing outside amazed at the sky because the sky is filled with spiritual creatures we call angels. In the midst of all these angels, there's a, there's a light much brighter than these lights. It's a flame. It's a torch. A fire. You, you kind of want to look at it, but you can't look. It's so bright. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 8. Jesus will come in flaming fire, taking punishment, taking vengeance on them that know not God, upon them that obey not the gospel. And, and we're all just looking up and seeing the angels and seeing that fire and that torch, that flame begins to speak. Dead, come forth. John 5, 28 and 29. Marvel not at this, the hour is coming in which all that are in the graves shall hear His voice and shall come forth. 
They that have done good to the resurrection of life, they that have done evil to the resurrection of damnation, and that fire, that torch begins to scream, dead come forth. And we look around and graves begin to open up. We didn't even know people were buried around this church building. But my graves begin to open up and bodies begin to ascend. And then we feel ourselves being taken up into the air. 1 Thessalonians 4.16 again. For the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, the voice of the archangel, the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And the next thing we know, we stand before a great white throne. It's a dazzling throne. Brilliant. And the next thing we know, we're next in line at judgment. Revelation 20 and verse 11. And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it. And we're about to appear before the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he will either say, come, or depart. So again, I ask you, what if Jesus came tonight? Who's coming? Peter said, but the day of the Lord will come. When is he coming? We don't know. That's a thief of the night. What's it going to be like? I'm telling you folks, it's going to be as normal as everyday normal. Just like a Wednesday. Just like today. But it's going to be the most abnormal, the most incredible day we've ever seen. Now, with that in mind, I want you to notice the, the question that Peter asked in verse 11. Go back to verse 11. He said, Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved... What manner of persons ought you to be? You know what he's asking? What kind of people should you be? In light of the fact that Jesus is coming, what kind of people should you be? And then don't miss verse 12. Look to verse 12. Everybody notice verse 12, 2 Peter 3. The apostle said, Looking far and hasting unto the coming of the day of God. Folks, what does that mean? Looking far and hasting unto the coming of the day of God. You know what that means? You know what that means? You ought to be excited about it. You ought to be looking forward to it. I, I think about, about a mother that's about to give birth to a baby and the father has chosen not to go into the delivery room. He's chosen to wait in the father's waiting room like some of you older men did, right? And, and the father's in there a little bit nervous, excited, looking forward to this baby and he's just pacing back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and he just can't, the father just can't wait for the doctor to burst through the door and say, hey dad, mom's okay, healthy baby girl, healthy baby boy. And the dad is just thinking, oh, I... great news. And see, as God's people, Peter is saying, we ought to be looking forward to that day. We ought to be excited about that day. We ought to be, we ought to be Kind of like a father in a father's waiting room. We ought to be waiting, just waiting and eager for the great physician, for the great doctor to burst through the door of heaven and say, my child, my child, it's time to come home. So I want to know, are you really looking forward to the coming of Jesus? You say, I, I think I am, I hope I am, but how can I be certain? It's time for the three practical questions. We've asked three doctrinal questions here are the three practical questions. You ready for question number one? Is heaven really your home? See, we're just trying to find out, do you want Jesus to come again? Would you like for Jesus to come back tonight? Are you looking forward to it? Are you excited about it? 
Well, here's question number one. Is heaven really your home? Some time ago, I went up to the north to preach. I have preached all over the United States. Not in every state, but literally from California to the Carolinas. Some time ago, I was preaching up in Michigan. And have you ever noticed the people up in the north just don't talk like the people down in the south? You have noticed that, right? Now, if you're from the north, if you grew up in Michigan, we want you to know we love you. Met some wonderful people up there. But there's just a difference in the way that northern people talk and the way that southern people talk. I mean, you can take one of our southern boys and you can put him up there in the north and in just a few months he'll be talking with that Yankee accent, right? Now, you can take one of those northern boys and put him down here in the south and in just a few months we'll have him talking normally. But there's just a difference in the way that southern people talk and the way that northern people talk. Well, I went up to Michigan to preach. And when the people up in the north hear me speak, you know what they want to ask? Excuse me, sir, where are you from? You know, I can go into a motel to check in. They hear me talk. <coughs> Excuse me, where's your home? I can go into a restaurant to eat. And they hear me talk. Excuse me, sir, where are you from? Where's your home? You know what I usually say? Tennessee. Tennessee's home, Hendersonville. You ever been to Hendersonville? Just outside of Nashville, home of Johnny Cash. I live in Hendersonville. Hendersonville is home. You say the same about Alabama, right? You go on a trip, on a vacation, somebody says, hey, where are you from? Where's home? What do you say? Alabama's home, right? Hillsboro is home. Decatur is home, right? And folks, the writers of this book come along and they say, hey, brethren, brethren, that's wrong. Tennessee is not home, and Hendersonville is not home, and Hillsboro is not home, Decatur's not home, Alabama's not home. Our home is in heaven. So I'm asking you, is heaven really your home? See, we're just trying to find out, do you want Jesus to come back? Are you excited about it? Looking forward to it. Practical question number one, is heaven your home? Here's number two. You ready for number two? I'm talking to you, just me and you, okay? Just have a little conversation. Have you made any preparations? Question number one, is heaven home? And question number two, honestly, have you made any preparations to go there? Maybe you've heard a preacher say, you know, heaven is a prepared place for prepared people. Maybe you've heard Bill say that, some other preacher. And I believe that's a true statement. It's not a true statement because we preachers make that statement. It's a true statement because that's exactly what Jesus said. He said, I go to prepare a place for you, John 14, 1 through 3. And by implication, Jesus is saying, heaven is a prepared place for prepared people. So my friend, I'm asking you, tune in with me, okay? Think about it. Have you made any preparations to go there? First of all, are you a Christian? Just a Christian. Nothing more, nothing less. Have you been born again, born of water and the Spirit? John 3, 1 through 5. You say, Keith, I don't understand that. I believe the best commentary on John 3, 1 through 5 is Mark 16, 16. Jesus said anybody that believes the Spirit's message, the Gospel, anybody that believes and is baptized, born of water, shall be saved. Have you done that? Have you trusted in Jesus to the point of obeying Jesus? Kind of like the Corinthians. The Corinthians heard the message. They believed the message and they obeyed in baptism the message. Acts 18 and verse 8, the Corinthians hearing, believed, and were baptized. You say, Brother Keith, I've been sprinkled. 
I know, no doubt you were sincere. No doubt you were sincere. But folks, baptism is not a sprinkling. It's an immersion in water. I think about what Paul said in Romans 6, 3 and 4. No, you're not. Don't you know that so many of us, as we're baptized into Jesus Christ, we're baptized into His death or His blood. Therefore, we are buried, not sprinkled. Therefore, we are buried, not poured. So have you been buried with Jesus in baptism? I tell you, the hardest thing about becoming a Christian is not being baptized. Hardest thing about becoming a Christian is not being baptized. Hardest thing about becoming a Christian is the thing called repentance. Because repentance basically means a change. You've got to surrender. You've got to change. It's hard to change. We've talked about that. And yet Peter said, Acts 2.38, to those who crucified Christ, you need to repent, change, surrender, turn around. And he said, be baptized. Who? Every one of you in the name of Jesus. Why? For the forgiveness of sins. So I'm asking you, have you become a Christian? Have you obeyed Jesus? You say, Keith, you're not talking to me because I was baptized when I was 12. Oh, you were baptized when you were 12? As a baptized believer, are you walking in the light? I'm not asking, have you been perfect? Nobody's perfect. Nobody crosses every T and dots every I. We all mess up. But I am asking, are you walking toward God in God's direction? Do you love God with everything that you have? 1 John 1 and verse 7, if we as God's people walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus just constantly keeps us clean. So my friend, my, my Christian friend, honestly, how are you and Jesus doing? Let me ask the Christians of this audience, to those of you who are Christians, do you love Jesus more right now than you've ever loved Him in your life? I'm talking to you, my friend. Honestly, do you love Jesus more right now than you've ever loved Him in your life? You pray more now than you've ever prayed? You attend church more now than you've ever attended? I'm asking, have you made any preparations? You say, Keith, I, 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 I think I want Jesus to come. I, I, I'm not sure, but well, how can I know? Well, answer question number one. Is heaven really your home? Question number two, have you made any preparations? And I don't know, maybe the most important question is the third one. The third one is, uh, would you go right now? I mean, if the choice were yours, would you bring Jesus back from heaven right now? I want you to imagine, folks, this is not a Bible. Imagine this is a button, a spiritual button. And the only thing that you have to do to stop time and to start eternity is to walk down this church aisle and press this button. If you'll just walk forward tonight and press this button, lay your hand upon this button, guess what will happen? Time will stop. Eternity will begin. Jesus will, will come from heaven with His angels. The second coming would happen tonight. It's your, it's your choice. If the choice were yours, would you go right now? Would you press this button? It's your choice. You, you can bring Jesus back tonight. Would you press this button? Let's take that question back to the Apostle Paul, lived in the first century. Wrote many of the books of the New Testament. Paul, this is not going to make a lot of sense to you, but we're from the 21st century and we have a spiritual button. And Paul, if you'll just press this button, Jesus will come back. Paul, will you press the button? Here's his answer. 2 Timothy chapter 4, starting in verse 6. I am now... 
ready to be offered. And the time of my leaving, my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I've kept the faith. Henceforth, therefore, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give to me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that... Do you remember what he said? Bill does. What about the rest of you? Paul said, there's a crown of righteousness. The Lord's going to give it to me, but not to me only, unto all them also that what? Love His appearing. Do you love the thought that Jesus could come back tonight? See, we're just trying to find out, are you excited about it? Are you looking forward to it? you ever pray about it? Are you excited about it? Question number one, is heaven home? Number two, honestly, have you made any preparations? And then question number three, if the choice were yours, would you go right now? Would you press it right now? You've listened well tonight, folks. And I'm not God and I'm not your judge. But I have a feeling that uh, we have some folks that just need to make some changes. This church loves you. That's why we've had this gospel meeting. We're not here to beat upon you. We love you. Jesus loves you a lot more than we do. But folks, Jesus is coming. And I tell you, I pray that He'll come in my lifetime. I want you to imagine that when Donnie gets up here and sings this invitation song, I am resolved. Imagine this is the very last invitation song you will ever sing. What would you do right now if this were the last invitation song you would ever sing? What would you do? If you knew when we stand and sing, this is it, the last invitation song, what would you do right now? I tell you, I say it in love, some of you don't need to walk down a church aisle, you need to run down a church aisle. It's that urgent, it's that important. You need to do what's right. So what, what can we do to help you? Could we pray for you as a Christian? Be glad to baptize you tonight. What can we do for you? Why don't you make your desire known by coming to the front? Wouldn't it be great if maybe tomorrow, Friday, we were talking about this meeting and we could say, you know, there were public responses at every single service but one. There were public responses on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday night, I don't think anybody came. Last night, people came. And wouldn't it be great if we could maybe tomorrow, Friday, say, you know, God blessed us. And people changed and there were public responses at every single service. What's, what's going to happen tonight? Why don't you lead the way? And who knows, if you come tonight, who knows who may follow? Why don't you come before Jesus comes? Okay? Let's sing.